out, nobody on. The playoffs to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three called to the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Welcome back to the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Viver, and I'm joined, as always, by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. On this episode, we're going to have a little bit of a, a grab bag. Now that we're in season and, and we still are, are planning on doing weekly episodes, we wanted to sort of take a look at our format. And rather than having like one big topic a week, we decided to, to format the episodes a little differently this time. Sort of some smaller 15-minute segments rather than one big segment. So that's what we're going to do. So the first thing we're going to start with, and we're probably going to do this every episode, is a little bit of a housekeeping segment. And I'm going to start because there's some big news this past week in the Auto New World. And I'm going to turn it right over to Niv. Do you want to talk about what happened and how it <laughs> happened? And <laughs> what happened? For yeah, those that, that aren't aware already. but Yeah, Justin, thanks. Yes, we had a really great profile in the Washington Post that got published last week. Uh, it's in the paper. It was on the paper on Friday. And... Right underneath Patrick Corbin to understand the relative importance in Washington, D.C. But yeah, we got, it was Auto New, about Auto New and about me and a little bit of my background story. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, which I know we've talked about a few times on the podcast and I'm sure we'll come up again, you can go look it up on the Washington Post. Just search for Washington Post Auto New. The author of that article is named Hayden, Hayden Higgins and Hayden plays Auto New and he's a freelance writer that lives around the corner from me. And so he thought it would be a cool local story. He pitched it to a few local papers. I thought that meant like the city metro paper was going to pick it up. And then the local rag, the Washington Post, picked it up <laughs> because they decided that democracy dies in the darkness and covering auto new would help save that, I guess. No, it was awesome. It was really nice article. Really appreciate Hayden's effort on it. He He went out of his way to Get quotes from some players that uh, play that you may be familiar with, like Eno, Saris, and Eric Carabell at ESPN, and a couple other folks. Talked to David Appleman a little bit, and obviously talked to me at length. And we had a ton of fun with that. And then just today, and sorry, if you want to link to that article and the one I'm about to talk about, you go to the community forums, there's a big purple auto new content topic that you can click on. And there's there's posts for these things, so you can find links really quickly. I'll, I'll add links to the episode notes for this episode as well for, for the Washington Post article and the other thing you're about to mention. Yeah, so the other thing is that because of the Washington Post article, Axios Sports got wind of Auto New, and Jeff Tracy over there is a sports, sports writer for, the, for Axios, and they put us in their newsletter today, their sports newsletter, Five Things You Need to Know. And it was awesome, great overview of the, of the game, and why it's different and why it's like a unique fantasy format. A great thing to share with your friends if they are on the fence about playing on a new. The WAPO one's a little bit more like what's up with Niv and where how did Niv come up with this? And the Axios bit is very much like, well, what is auto new and why is it actually interesting? And why do you guys all play it? And why do people who keep playing it keep getting major league jobs? So, which is, you know, obviously I got to pitch that. So really good week, a uh, really good, like a uh, week and a half. And, yeah, please, like, 
you know, look at the podcast notes, visit the community forums, um, and check it out because it's really I I couldn't be happier about those two stories. You know, I got to say that that Hayden, I was talking to him about the article, and he said that it, the idea of it, the the germination of it, actually came from listening to one of our episodes where you guys were talking about Is that um, right? some of the history, and it was sort of like, hey, this would make a good profile piece, and and I, he said that, awesome. that was sort of inspired by listening to to us. I, so, I, I, which I really is cool. Should, I, I, I regret not mentioning originally the Washington Post article does have uh, appearances by both Chad and Justin in it. In addition to, you know, more interesting people. <laughs> but no, it's awesome. I, Justin it's super is called great. like a whiz in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, she auto is. new whiz. I don't know where that, that uh, came the, from. But. The auto new whiz and Chad who I think you need to like change writer. your, your uh, Twitter handle to auto new whiz. <laughs> it should the be Washington the top line. Post. Yeah. Yeah. As seen in the Washington Post. <laughs> That's auto right. New whiz. But yeah, they're both great. And they're, they're really good one, two, like complimentary pieces to each other. Like, I don't think there's a lot of... It's not really redundant, so definitely check them out if you haven't yet, and share them around. Yeah, and the other thing I want to say too about all that was the day that it was released. One of my favorite things was just seeing everybody on Twitter, like big names, talking about this is great. You know, this the you know, and it just like wow, the the response from people reading it and were saying like, yeah, this is much deserved. This is everybody needs. There's to know a lot about of this. a lot of people, a lot more people play Auto New than you think, and a lot of really interesting people play Auto New. USA Today has people that play Auto New, Rotowire, obviously really big supporters of the game. People at The Athletic, obviously Nando sent that really nice tweet out. So I'm going to do a little bit more to make sure you guys are aware of like what the experts leagues look like and what are the industry leagues, because there's like three or four of them and they're pretty big names. And like, you know, Eric Harabell didn't just get cold asked about Auto New. He's been playing since we launched. Uh, Tristan Cockroft also, like they're, they're partners in crime over at ESPN Fantasy and they love Auto New. So like, it's really cool to see those guys like stand by it and and advocate for it when we get a little bit of nice press. And then, you know, the whole thing was just so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. All right. We're let's shift over to, to Chad's news. You did have an article up recently on PitcherList. You want to talk about that, Chad? About Yeah, I got got stuff on both PitcherList and Fangraphs in the last week. The PitcherList piece was probably the more interesting one right now. And so because the, the, the Fangraphs one was a auto new hot right now, which is a column I used to do back in the day when I was writing at Rotographs that focuses on players who are being added in a lot of leagues. And that, that covered the players who had been in the most live auctions as of about a week ago. They were the most live auctions a week ago, and so they are all over now. <laughs> so there's not a lot of actionable <laughs> input in there anymore. The PitcherList article was on swing rate changers. So guys who last year versus this year have had the biggest change, either positive or negative, in their swing rate. The reason I like to look at that, it's something I often look at early in seasons, and the reason I like to look at it is because – it's one of the few things, first of all, it stabilizes relatively early. So 50, 60 plate appearances is enough to start to get a meaningful signal out of it, which at this point we're, we're starting to hit for some players. The other is that it's one of the few things that is the most easily managed by a player. right? So a hitter saying they want more contact, they want to hit the ball harder, they, whatever is challenging. There's only so much they can do. But a guy saying... I want to swing at more pitches or I want to swing at fewer pitches. They have complete control over that. And so it's often a signal for other changes or for more deliberate change. And so I like to look at guys who've had big changes like that and see how's it playing out, what's happening, and, and where should we go. 
And so it gives me a chance to, to early on start to look at guys I might want to buy into or guys I might want to be backing away from. Yeah, we've made reference to some of that too. We, we, we've talked about like chase rate and things like that. When, when players are swinging outside of the zone, chasing bad pitches, you know, it's, as you said, Chad, that's, that's an approach issue and that can be rectified a lot easier than it can be. You know, some players just don't have good contact or they just don't have power. I mean, those are things that are going to, a lot more difficult to change, but your approach at the plate can be changed that not that that's easy either but it's it's more variable than than some of the other hard skills that that a baseball player has at the plate so yeah those are those are great things to keep an eye on when we're looking especially this early in the season as we've harped on the last episode and we'll continue to harp on this time so yeah i think you know as as the season goes on the swing rate changes are a really good way to, to to try to understand whether or not a change in production is likely to stick Mm-hmm. Right. It's so like you see, you know, in another month when you start to look at something like a like a guy having a big jump in Woba year over year and you start to wonder, is that is that going to stick around? Looking for a change in approach can really help. Right now, looking at a guy's change in Woba year over year is not useful. We're looking at such a small amount of data from this year that you're going to get more noise than you are a signal. And, but, and last year, too. Right. Yeah, that's true, especially compared to last year. So looking at what, I, what I'm effectively doing is I'm flipping it. Instead of saying, this guy is playing better, is there something behind that to justify that to make me want to believe it's going to continue? I'm saying, is there a signal I can find that suggests this player's talent level may have changed? Is there something I can look at? And then I can dig in and say, oh, interesting. This guy who's swinging less is making harder contact or making more contact or whatever. And that starts to suggest to me that there's a positive effect in play. And it doesn't, it's not always actually swinging less that I'm necessarily looking at, even though I think we think about patience, but like one of the big jumps in swing rate I talked about in that article is Joey Votto. Now, when you look at sort of a rolling chart for Votto, he isn't really swinging a whole lot more. If anything, he's sort of still down, but He's he's swinging more than he was last year, and he's making so much better contact. And he made a point coming into the season, actually started late last season, of wanting to be more aggressive, wanting to go out and attack the ball more. And so here here's a situation where even though he's being less patient in theory, he's made a change very intentionally to go out and try to punish the ball. He is swinging more aggressively. His stack-ass data suggests he is, in fact, punishing the ball. And so even though his numbers early in the season haven't necessarily been great, I think he's a guy who he's starting to break out of it, and I, I think he's going to continue to do so in a, in a big way. All right. The the next set segment we're going to do is a little bit of an auto-new tips and tricks. A lot of this for, for auto-new veterans out there, people that have been playing for a while, some of this is going to be old hat for you. But we have a lot of people listening that are either in their first year uh, first year playing or second year playing, or maybe they're just thinking about playing Audino and they haven't jumped in yet. So I wanted to do a little bit of a segment talking about some early tips and tricks. I'll start. It's something we've mentioned before, but I want to mention it again because we're just about at that point where you might be 30 days since you auctioned, uh, your draft occurred. And I want to remind everyone that if you've cut a player, you have a cap penalty for that player of 50% of their original salary rounded up. After 30 days, you can now start another auction for that player. And best case scenario, somebody else wins that auction and you're completely cleared of those cap penalties. Worst case scenario, no one is and you win them back at the minimum price. And then you can cut them again and get 
another uh, reduction of that cap penalty effectively. That's a completely legitimate strategy. Sometimes it looks a little weird, and I know Niv's been asked questions in the past uh, about let it. Me, but Let me actually hop in real quick, because I think there's a couple things worth noting about it. One, it's not automatically done. The reason it's not automatically done is because it shows a little engagement and it shows that you're paying attention. However, it's basically automatically done, because if you go to your team page and where you can see your full rosters, you'll have a box that says cap penalties on the right. And once those start showing up in red and bold, that means you can re-auction those players. Two, like just to quickly talk about like why it's a legitimate strategy. And Justin and, and Chad, you're one of the big reasons that even exists, right? Is because we didn't want to make it so you could just re-auction players right away. Obviously, there's no penalty then, like the cap penalty is reduced to one immediately for players that are really expensive. However, if nobody wants to start an auction for a player at a non $1 price after 30 days, that means that player isn't worth even half the, even the cap penalty, right? Like there's a, there's a very clear like market indicator and we've decided 30 days is the right amount because that gives you like five to six in a regular season, 30 day periods in which you can auction, re-auction, re-auction and reduce a really big cap penalty down. So, you know, it's, it seems a little shady but, you know, if you wanted the player, if you if you see someone who cut like a $20 player, it's a $10 minimum bid, and you see that same team re-auction them for 10 bucks, well, there were 30 days up to that point where you could have re-auctioned them for 10 bucks and no one else could have, or sorry, that original team couldn't even bid. So if you think it's a little shady, do you actually want that player at 10 bucks? If you don't, well, then I think you understand why. Why it is still available. So it's a pretty interesting little thing. We had to introduce it to 30 days because the first time we played Auto New, like in 2005, there wasn't a minimum. And Chad just started re-auctioning his players right away. And we didn't like realize that was a thing. And Chad just sort of recognized it. And and then we had a conversation as we as we were wont to do and came on a good 30-day compromise. And I think, you know, it's held up the entire 10 years that we've been running Auto New. So it's one of the more resilient systems. It's not something that's obvious if you're new, but if you look at your team page, you look at your rosters, when you look at your cap penalties, you can see who you can re-auction all at once and, and just set them up. So let me ask a question for you guys, since we're, you know, Jess, you made a point that people who've been playing longer are aware of this, and it's a great tip for people who are relatively new. Let, let's go from sort of the, the 101, which is once a guy's hit 30 days, re-auction him and get that cap penalty down to... The 201. Are there any cases in which you wouldn't do that? In which you got a guy who you have a cap penalty, he's hit 30 days, and you're not going to start an auction on him immediately? I, I'm i struggling to think of a situation where I wouldn't. I think the 201 um, is actually the, 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 the counter question to that, and maybe the counter theory to that, is to double check all your opponent's cap penalties. Yeah. And, and if there is, because that's something Chad and I have actually talked about in the past, we want to get an auction started before that guy can bid on them because yep. it frees up a bunch of cap for him. So that's sort of like, that's, I think, the next level thought on that, from my mind. What do you think, Chad? Is there a situation where you Yeah, wouldn't? I don't know. I was thinking about it. I mean, I think what, the point you made is a good one. I think watching other people's cap penalties is good for, I think there's actually two reasons. One of them is getting that auction in before they can bid because that, like... On top of everything else, if that person has a minimum bid of $4 on that player, because that's what the cap penalty is, that's a free bid for that team, right? They've got the $4 cap penalty, so bidding for bidding $4 doesn't cost them anything. 
I also like to look at other teams' cap penalties to not start auctions in some cases. Right, that's right. right. To look at and be like, Justin's up against the cap, and he's got this guy with a $4 cap penalty that I kind of want, but he's only been 15 days, and I have to decide, like, yeah, let's do put I want a little that pressure now? It's like applying pressure to Justin yeah. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, leave him, leave him stuck for a little bit longer. And also to think about, like, I want this guy, but I think Justin needs outfielders, and there's these outfielders I want, so I'm going to nominate these three outfielders first, and then a few days after those auctions are done, then I'll go after this guy Justin's got a cap penalty on. That's something, like, right now I feel like I play in too many leagues and I can't actually do that, but it's something I used to do was pay attention to, like, oh, this guy has a minimum bid. Who who has that cap penalty? What is the impact of starting this auction on that team? And is there some other approach I should take? As I've been rambling about that, I've been trying to think about a case where I might not start an auction immediately. The only thing I can think of is a player who I feel like I want more information on and I don't want to restart my 30-day waiting period. So yeah. a guy I – like a prospect who might That's a really be called off – an injured player who might be coming back soon where I'm right. sitting there thinking somebody's like, five I, days away from coming back instead of 25 days away. You're like, oh, maybe I'll just wait three days and see if he's actually going to come back. Yeah. And, and, also just, and, and just find out if like, it depends if, if it's a guy who's coming back, like a pitcher who's been injured, who's about to come back and I want to start them. Then it's easy. You start the auction, but you start the auction to bid on them and try to win, not just to clear the cap penalty. But I think that you, there are cases where, like, I don't actually know if I want this guy. I want to see how that first start goes. Or I want to see what happens after he gets called up for a couple days. And my preference would be to auction this guy in 10 days, at which point I'll either be like, yeah, he's broken. Like, this guy was hurt. I'm hoping that his bad performance earlier was because he was hurt. Let's see him get a start in. Oh, that start was terrible. Fine, I'll just clear my cap penalty. I feel like that's a really good way of dealing with prospects, especially. Yeah. Like a, because... There's always more information to gain, especially like further away prospects. And then guys like, and then yeah, like top prospects that are injured. If they're like Royce Lewis, if, you're, if your timing is weird on Royce Lewis, right? He, he had the ACL injury or whatever. If your timing's a little weird on him and he comes back right before or right, right a couple days after, a couple days after the, the 30 day period is up. Sorry. Once the 30 day period is up and like, you're like three days from now, Royce Lewis is going to actually get some game action. Maybe you wait. That makes sense because you're basically locking yourself out from that player for a month. And if Royce Lewis has a really good two weeks after that, you know, he has the pedigree, but he's injured. It's a very like a little more information would be really good. That was a good call, Chad. I never even thought about that. And I and I think I have been in that situation where a player, you know, let's say I've I've got them, I'm, I can re-auction them. They I already have an existing cap penalty for them. They're injured, let's say, and they're probably going to come back in two or three weeks. That might be a situation where I do what what Chad's suggesting, where I don't re-auction them right away because once I do, by the time they come back and show whether they're worth rostering or not, I now am locked out for the first seven to ten days after that point. Whereas if I just wait, yeah, I don't free up 50% of that cap right away. But if I don't need to, then I can absolutely wait and and do that. So the other thing, real quick, I, and I just wanted to, to follow up again. The other benefit to doing this that, that Niv didn't mention is in his, like the, the, the scenario that you mentioned, Niv, where you have a $20 player, they're cut by the original team. Yeah. You have a $10 cap penalty. Maybe the entire league knows that that player is not 
worth $10, but let's say that somebody in that league thinks the player is worth $5. If we didn't have a mechanism to re-auction and keep reducing that cap penalty, that minimum bid never is tied to the cap penalty. So the minimum bid will always be $10 for that player if right. no one was allowed to re-auction. Right. So if you say this player is worth $7 to me, that second cut, you can wait the 24 hours, you can auction them at minimum five, you can put in your $7 bid, the original bidder cannot bid, and that's a benefit to you. That's a benefit to the rest of the league to be able to distribute these players, again, market-based market-based pricing as much as possible. And so this keeps that moving in a way that I think is really healthy for leagues. Right, because it prevents a player who, who, for whatever reason, was cut from just sitting on, on the open market all year. I mean, I've been in leagues with with weird keeper rules, like if you cut a player, you can only keep them for the original salary, but they're hurt. But somebody would want them at a lower price than that, but they just end up being a free agent all season long because the keeper value is tied to that. Um, and that's one of the things that I don't think people think about or talk about with this mechanism is that it helps keep those players constantly being available in the market because eventually you're going to hit that minimum bid that someone's going to be interested in, in having that player. So. The other tip that I wanted to mention, and this is really only relevant for the managers out there that are in more than one league, but it's something that I really want to mention because it's very, very helpful. If you are in more than one league, if you are in Audenew, let's just say you're on one of your league homepages, you will see there's an Audenew baseball logo and, and it says Audenew and there's a little yellow drop down box. If you click that, you will have a drop down that shows every single one of your leagues and teams. And for each one of those leagues, you will see the league name in white and your team name in yellow. Now, the tip that I have is, let's say you're in the standings for one of your leagues and you want to look at the standings of your second league. If you click on that, if you click on the league name, it's going to bring you to the league homepage, the standard homepage for Autonew. If you click on the team name, it will instead bring you to the corresponding website that you're already on. So if I'm on the standings of my league one and I click the, the league, the team name for my second league, I will then be on my standings page for my other league. So it's a really great tip to bounce around in whether you're setting lineups, you're looking at your rosters. Cause like we just said, if you want to look at your cap penalties across all your leagues, it's a really easy way to do it. Go to one of your roster pages for one of your leagues and then click on that and click one of your other team names, and it'll bring you to the roster page for that team. It's a great feature. Niv implemented it a few years ago. It's a lifesaver for somebody like me who's in multiple leagues, and I want to be able to navigate around within a certain type of page on the Autonew site. Yeah, so like, like you, I just added the OPL bit to that dropdown. So that's like, if you're in OPL, you know, really handy. Um, I In doing that, I did review some of that code. If you see any weirdness there, and you're listening to this, uh, please let me know because that code hasn't, you know, I added it four or five years ago when I first started talking to this guy who played a lot of auto new named Justin. So, <laughs> so I just want to, you know, I haven't looked at that code in a little bit, so it might be a little goofy, but it's a really great way to hop around your leagues. I know a bunch of you love playing two or three or more leagues. The average auto new player plays way more than one league, which is pretty amazing to me. So take advantage of it. it it's not, again, not obvious, but hopefully very helpful. Yes, it absolutely is. From my own personal perspective, I can confirm. Very helpful. Okay, Chad, did you have a, a tip or trick for Audenew that you wanted to mention here? Yeah, I think the the thing that I want to 
tell people to use because I think it's super valuable is there is a Fangraphs free agent leaderboard that you can access. If you're in Auto New, you're on a league page, you go to the players tab that brings up the search functionality. And in that secondary nav at the top, there's auctions and waiver claims and free agent to start starting pitchers, which is a fun one if you if you are, especially if you're in a so they're for weekly head leagues. Head. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, head to head or weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a couple players down, a couple things down there. There is a Fangraphs sortable stats and a Fangraphs free agents. Those both bring up the same leaderboard. The difference is the one that says free agents will only show you free agents. The one that is sortable stats will show you everybody. They're both actually really useful. I go to those whenever I'm looking at at sort of who's available in free agency, especially if I'm getting ready to start an auction on someone. Before I start an auction on a player, I go into that leaderboard and I look at the position that I'm trying to start an auction for and just make sure, hey, is this guy that I'm thinking about starting actually the best free agent available? And using these leaderboards, you know, the, the auto new search functionality is great and has a ton of good information. Like I, I love to go into that and sort by roster percent or by average salary because that tells you like who are guys that are valued in other leagues that are free agents in this league. But it lacks a lot of context. You can also sort by like points per game, but it lacks a lot of context. Yeah. So like you can see that a guy is getting, you know, seven points per game, but you can't see that that's because he has a 634 BABIP and that's seven points per game is a lie. So if I go into the the fan graphs board and i'm looking at free agents now i can go and I, I unfortunately i don't have points per game there i have points and so i can export and find out what points per game are but i can go in there and do something like sort by woba which will is not an exact match to points per game but is a pretty good proxy it's also pretty useful in four by four again it's not exactly the same but a guy who has a good woba is probably a good four by four player and I can sort by that, and I can start to poke around. I can I and see like, okay, you know, here are guys who have 20 plus plate appearances, who are leading the league or leading free agency in Woba. And I can see that like right now in one of my leagues, the top guy out there is Josh Harrison, but he's got a 417 BAPIP. He's got a zero percent K rate that I'm not sure I believe in. A couple spots down is Tyler Naquin. Well, Tyler Naquin has a 446 Woba with a 208 BAPIP. So like that's not really an issue for him. So I can go in and start to look. Then I, it tells me, okay, I want to poke in closer on Tyler Naquin. Jordan Luplo is right below him at a 440 with a 200 BAPIP. So right away, I've got a couple of guys that I'm like, okay, that at least is not a sign of, of luck for them. There's a little more to it. I can switch over and look at batted ball data, which will then tell me, you know, are, are these guys having home run per fly ball luck? Is there something else driving it? I can click through straight to their, either their auto new player page by clicking, there's a little column there called fantasy. And you can click where it says free agent or the team name. And it'll take you back to that player's page um, or to their fan graphs page where I can dive deeper into the statistics. And so that's my way of, of identifying targets for, for free agency. I also use it if I'm looking for trade targets at times. I will go in, I will literally go in and sort by BAPIP and find the high, the lowest BAPIP players to make trade offers for, right? It's just a like, a, and I'm being a little literal there. I don't actually just go in and be like, this guy's a 200 BAPIP, <laughs> I'm going to make a trade offer for him. But it is a good way to quickly identify players who a manager who doesn't take the time to dive in as deeply might look at them and be like, man, this guy's been terrible without right. realizing that there's an explanation for it. Yeah. So just to follow up on that one too, uh, Chad, I'm really glad you mentioned the fan graph leaderboards. I think they're 
severely underutilized and incredible. Like that, this incredible integration with Fangraphs that, you know, it's basically the Fangraphs leaderboards. The things that are in the Fangraphs leaderboards that aren't on the fantasy leaderboards are things that can come over. So if you see something missing, like custom date ranges is one that I've been working on with David, we can get Fangraphs to put that stuff over. And it's the free agent stuff is faster than the auto new free agency. If you're looking for free agents, just through a huge list, it's uh, very rich in terms of having all kinds of data that we don't have access to. We don't have access to a lot of the stuff Fangraphs does. And, you know, StatCast data will be there soon. It's awesome. It's just, it's the coolest thing. It's, and it's been there since the beginning. And I think it's just horribly underutilized. And even I underutilize it because you sort of forget about it up there. But it is so helpful. You can look at people's rosters in this context. You can click on the drop down that says free agents and you can pick your team. You can pick someone else's team and just go through and evaluate uh, from that context. And again, these are tools that front offices use. These are tools that Fangraphs writers use. These aren't like, I don't know how to say it nicely. It's not, these aren't, these are, these are real tools. These are really like. Full. This is something that no other fantasy provider can come close to matching. Right. I mean, right. I right. mean like Yahoo has their leaderboards. ESPN has their leaderboards, but it's, it's simple stuff. It's basic stats. They're not like ESPN doesn't exist to allow people to sort and, and right. look at stats like this. Fangraphs does. Right. Fangraphs and is so... literally built by David because he wanted to win his fantasy league. He built fantasy leaderboards because he wanted to win his fantasy league. And now those are the fantasy leaderboards that we get to use for free, for like literally nothing. They're just built in. So if you aren't aware of those, take a look. If you are aware of them but don't use them enough, talking to myself right now, go take a look again because it's, it's the best stuff. This is a good call out, Chad. I'm worried about Niv hollering at me here, but one thing I want to mention with these leaderboards, uh, a small caveat, if you are in a Saber points league and you're looking at the pitching leaderboard, the points are not Saber pitching points. They're actually still Fangraphs points, pitching points. So just don't There's a couple... get confused by that. Be aware that it doesn't, it doesn't make those Saber points if you're, if, even if you're looking at it inside your Saber league. One of the things I'd say, yeah, to add on to that too is I've done a lot of things to auto new search. Auto new search isn't going anywhere. And like auto new search and the auto new uh, way of looking up players is, is you know, I want to improve that. I'm not discarding that by any means. And I think there's just room for both. And I think, you know, when you are on the fan graph stuff, you should consider looking for all the many things that are on the fan graphs leaderboards that aren't on the auto new leader on the auto new search. And then when you're on auto new search, you know, you focus on the auto new specific stuff, roster percentage, points, average salaries, that kind of thing. And of course, you know, the basic stuff that we try to present there. So I think they're just really good tools that are complementary to each other. It's the best way I can say it. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely agree. And I think it's, it's definitely something that we, we need to raise awareness because if people didn't realize that they could do that from both perspectives, like Niv said, from an auto new perspective with more auto new focused information versus the Fangraphs leaderboards perspective with more of the actual baseball stat perspective, both are extremely valuable. All right, Niv, it's your time to, to talk about some tips and tricks here. <laughs> yeah, so my tips are, are really for first-year players specifically, and anyone who wants to hear it, I guess, but really for first-year players, because we answered a lot of questions in the forums this year, and I got a lot of emails sort of about lineup setting and 
and keeping uh, your roster illegal or legal, like the, the classic rule, rule one stuff. Don't overthink it. It's fantasy baseball, guys. Like when you're doing roster construction, don't give yourself 25,000 choices at outfield, shortstop, second base combo. If you have a bunch of choices there, you don't have any good choices there, you know? So like one of the things to think about is like, if lineups take a long time for you to set, why? And why is your roster constructed in such a way that makes it hard? If you are thinking about being really clever by, I don't want to cut this guy yet because I want to get one more start out of him, but I need to cut him because really, just cut him. Your league is going to appreciate it. You're going to be happy with yourself. You're not going to have to like navigate a day and a half of being like answering questions or wondering like this game got rained out and I couldn't put an outfielder in to replace him. Just generally, like it's still fantasy baseball. You guys all came from, I know every almost everyone who's played auto new has played a similar or simpler form of auto fantasy baseball before, like in the, on ESPN or on Yahoo or CBS. I know a lot of you are like really familiar with a lot of the stuff. So like we usually skip it. We, I, I feel like, you know, Chad made a comment about 101 versus 201. I feel like most of auto new 101 is already fantasy 201, right? Like we're making a lot of assumptions that you understand a lot of the stuff. So for lineups and for keeping your team illegal, I know that's stuff that's like not one-to-one with other formats, but I would just recommend, you know, keep it simple. Don't, if you have too many choices for outfield, trade one of them, like, you know, and if you have a team that you're like, I really want to get a couple more points out of this guy. If he goes over four, you're going to be mad about it. So like you, you can't predict that. So you might as well just cut him. It's, I mean, I think those questions are always going to come up and, I don't think it's bad that those questions come up. And I think it's good that people who are new to the game are like excited about the stuff that makes it different. But I don't think this is the, this is not necessarily the place that you want to like make it too complicated because there's so many other things about this game that you're not going to have a choice, but to make it complicated, like the player evaluation stuff that we've been talking about repeatedly, the the leaderboard stuff that like searching through that stuff takes up so much time. You have all your player notes navigating what a trade looks like when you have all these different dimensions to a trade. There's so many other things to do that if you're spending more than the average user, I was telling Chad the other day, the average user spends about 90 seconds setting lineups every day. Like the visit to the lineup page is about 90 seconds. If you're spending much more time than that, and I know some people are, and I know sometimes I have to, and you're getting annoyed by it. Like I would rethink other things other than how how complicated my, it is to set lineups and do I need to have a whole notebook just to remember who to who to play against lefties or whatever. Like I would just just simplify because there's too many other things that are hard. Well, and, and some of that micromanaging isn't really all that valuable anyway. I mean, like it's, you get to a point where... It's not super valuable and it'll burn you out is really the problem yeah. from my perspective. Like, it, if, like if you have three teams and you're really not sure who you want to have in three of your outfield spots every single day on all three of those teams... You're, you're going to check out in August and that's when the good stuff happens. You know, like you're going to check out at the trade deadline. You're going to check out maybe in July, like, and auto new is year round and it's, there's good stuff all year and none of it is figuring out who your fourth outfielder is in my opinion, day to day. I mean, in August or in uh, March, it's fun, but not super fun to figure, be st- still thinking about that in July. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, for our third and final segment, we're gonna we're gonna do something that I I have called auto new guess who. Now, I'm probably dating myself by mentioning that that classic good, board game guess. That's a good who. reference. But we're gonna what we're basically gonna do, and this has been done before. We're not ground groundbreaking here. We're each gonna we each have a player that we've picked, and we're gonna provide some information on that player, and everybody else has to guess who we're talking about. 
So I will go first. This particular player is a relief pitcher. As of the date that we're recording this, which is Tuesday, April 20th, they have an 11 K per nine. They have not walked anybody and they have a 63% ground ball rate. Nine innings pitched over four games, 1.12 Sierra. I have, I mentioned this last year and I've done it again this year. I have a little sheet that I put together where basically I average the ERA estimators that are available on fan graphs. Sierra, now there's X ERA from StackCast, uh, there's Quick ERA, and there's another one that I'm forgetting about. I average all of those together and sort of create a combined ERA estimate, and then I do a runs above average on my sheet. This particular player is the second best relief pitcher so far this year based on runs above average, um, based on that combined ERA estimate. This player is also rostered in just under 55% of leagues as we record this with a $3 and 10 cent last 10 average. So listeners, you can't answer me, but think about it. But Chad and Niv, you can answer me. Who am I talking about? Guess who this pitcher is? Does anybody know? Does anybody have a guess? Well, I think I'm going to, I'm going to talk first because I think Chad knows. Chad thinks he knows at least. I think um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> nine innings uh, in four games is the part that stood out to me. That's super exciting to to have the rates that you're talking about, but in a sort of a bulkish guy. But and also there's something there's something to the rostered in over half the leagues, but only barely over half, but still at a three dollar, which means that like people are bidding on him once he comes up. But I, I don't know if I have a good guess on this. Like it. Ah, that's a, that's a tough one. What kind of pitcher comes in? Because one of the things that I think the auto new community does a really good jo- job on is to jump on bulk relief pitchers because because we talk about it all the time. Everybody's talked about it all the time. It's one of the first strategies that people came up with, like those guys who get to eat up innings in the middle of games. Is this guy like a traditional bulk guy or like what? So let me let me let me try to see if I can help you out, and at the same time that we'll see how accurate I am. In order to be a bulk guy like that and be that, not be 100% owned, not be ro- or 100% rostered, and not be rostered at you know five, six bucks in some cases, and to have his salary still be under three, he has to be someone who didn't have a clear role coming into the season, right? During auction season, we had to, it had to not be a guarantee that this guy was going to be in this kind of position which tells me that he's not someone who's done this before. It's not like a Freddie Peralta or someone like that. It's not someone who was a top prospect and had a lot of prospect hype around them, like a Garrick Crochet or a Michael Kopech. And so... Right, right. So basically you've told me that this is a relief pitcher who hasn't been an interesting bulk relief pitcher for auto new players before has no pedigree. I guarantee I don't know who this person is because <laughs> there's no way I know. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw out one more detail that that should be a giveaway as to whether or not I'm right. So Justin will know whether or not I've got this right. If I'm wrong, Justin, correct me, but I think it absolutely impacts his value because it impacts his ability to, to maintain his role, which is this guy's a rule five pick, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Chad got it. So, I think at this point I'll just I'll give you my guess because I'm I'm fairly certain. Does this he is have a mustache? Does he have a beard? <laughs> I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Garrett Whitlock. It is Garrett Whitlock. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. So he I you know for him the giveaway for me was the no walks. I'd happened to look at him recently and saw that he hadn't walked anybody and was like that's crazy. This guy hasn't walked anybody. But yeah, he's a rule five pick with Boston. He got they they took him from. 
their dear friends in New York. They, they drafted yes, him the out of evil, the Yankee system. The evil empire, yeah. And he's a... You know, I mentioned Garrett Crochet a minute ago. Crochet is a really good comp for him because I think the Red Sox still believe that Whitlock could be a starter. Yes. But... Everything... Go on. I was just going to say, everything I've read, it, it says the same thing. That, that long-term, he's profiled as a starter, but... But they're going to be in a weird position with him this year because if you like what I would expect the White Sox to do with Crochet, if they're ready, if they decide they need him as a starter, is he'll go down to AAA once there's AAA for a little while in order to lengthen out and get ready to come back. The Red Sox can't do that with Whitlock Mm -mm. because they don't have the ability to send him down without making a trade with the Yankees and the Yankees. If they've been paying any attention to baseball this year, which I assume they have been are not going to just give away Garrett Whitlock and, again. And also a team that could use a Garrett Whitlock, it seems. Sure. Yeah. So I, my my assumption is at this point, there's only a couple things that could happen here. One is they just leave him in this role all season. And then they worry about stretching him out in the offseason. The other is that they leave him in this role, but move him to a space at some point in, let's say, June or July, where instead of being used as a two or three inning guy when they need him, they schedule him for two innings today, four innings in a few days, five innings the next day until they get him ready to be a starter. I think they need his arm as a starter at some point. I don't know if that's going to happen, but he's in this unique position where you can count on him being in your lineup every day for the rest of the season unless he gets hurt because there is no chance they send him down because they're not going to expose him to that process. Not the way he's pitched. Well, and I think the other reason that that he's starting out in the role that he's starting out in is and one of the reasons he was even eligible as a rule five pick was he had Tommy John in July 2019. He was a starter in the minor leagues. He had Tommy John in the summer of 2019. So he's and and yes, that's nearly two years ago that that happened. But I think they're still treating him a little bit with kid gloves. And I think Chad's absolutely right. I think what we're going to see is that he's pitching on four, five, six day turns, two or three innings at a time. So he's got and that's what he's done so far. He came in on the fourth. He pitched three innings. He came in on the 8th, he pitched two innings. He came in on the 14th, he pitched one inning. That's the only appearance he has where he didn't pitch more than an inning. And then he just pitched last night for another two and two-thirds innings. So that's basically four, five, and six, exactly, those three appearances since the last since the previous time he had, had been in a game. So I think that's going to continue, and I think they're going to keep him at that two to three inning pitch innings pitched average so that they do have that option to maybe piggyback him later they have a lot of guys like between him and Tanner Houck and, and some of the other back end pitching that they do have there in Boston. I think that they're, they're going to do some of that, especially as the season progresses where they might tandem starter, some guys piggyback some, some bulk and openers and things like that. And, and so far the skills have been great. This could be a, just a simple case of we've seen it before where a pitcher who is a starting pitcher. Yeah. He was a prospect as a starting pitcher, but not, you know, not a top 100 prospect, nothing that was really, you know, had a lot of shine on him, but a lot of these pitchers, if they get transitioned to the bullpen, sometimes they just find another level that they didn't have before as a starter. He's, he's a sinker slider changeup kind of guy. So maybe that's all that's playing up a lot more in shorter stints, but he's been great so far. And if he's available in your league, I would absolutely add him. I think unless you're in a, a really every league, I mean, head to head is a bulk reliever. He's, he's very valuable. If you're in auto new prestige league, He's probably not helping anybody right now for this first round because I don't know how many places he was rostered on opening day. But for the next round, I think he's going to be fairly valuable as a, as a bullpen piece for, for OPL. So, yeah, it's 
it was an interesting guy. And, and there's, there's, I definitely had that sort of feeling that you, you did as well, Chad, where it's, it's sort of an analog to Garrett Crochet's experience right now with, with the role that he has and, and how he's being used. So, all right. Now that mine's done, let's go, let's go with Chad's next. Who's, who's your guess who player? Tell us about him. My guess who player is he's rostered a little bit more often, but at a similar price. He's rostered in about 79% of leagues, but about $2, $2.20, I think. And his overall stat line is not very good. He's got a 313 Woba. He's an outfielder. So he's not necessarily making his managers very happy right now. However, he's a guy who has a as a as a prospect, the book on him. Like if you go to his Fangraphs page, they have the little prospect TLDR at the top of young guys' pages, which I love. It's super helpful. But it calls out that his what he's going to bring to the table is on base and defense, and that he was going to lack power for what you really want from an outfielder. Three players in Major League Baseball this year have an exit velocity of 102.9 or 103, an average exit velocity of 102.9 or 103 on fly balls and line drives. The 103s are... Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. This guy is the 102.9. No one else is over 102.1. So there's basically a tier of fly ball and line drive exit velocity that is Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and this dude. And everybody else is just looking up at them. And this is a guy who is supposed to bring OBP and lack power. He's got a 40% K rate right now. That 40% K rate is way out of line with what he's done in the past. And so I don't think it'll stick around, but it's leading to this bad overall line. And so that's my, that's my background on this guy. Those are the numbers I'm going to throw out there. Who am I talking about? Now, I will say, (laughs) I will readily admit I had absolutely no idea and I cheated, so I know who this player is. So I'm not going to offer any guesses well, because I, 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 I have literally cheated. no idea who this is, and I didn't cheat. So we can sit here for a minute and look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me see if I can think of some other things, Stevie. I clue. So, so um, we, how how recently was this guy a prospect? Very, very, very recently. Currently a prospect? Technically, what? yes. Okay. I mean, he's third in major leagues in exit velocity on fly balls and line drive. So he's not a prospect in that he is actually playing for a major league team, but he still would qualify as a prospect. He is rookie of the year eligible. And if he stopped playing right now, he would maintain that eligibility next year. Think of another thing. Had he come up three years ago, he would not have been only a $3 player. He also would have been in a different organization. Yeah. He definitely would have been in a different. Had he come up six months ago or something, he would have been in. A di- yeah, <laughs> he's been on what? This is he's on his third this is organization. His third organization. Last twelve months. Yes. Wow, that's wild. But, well, go ahead, Justin. I mean that that is that's some crazy detail here because I, th- someone who's moved twice in twelve months while maintaining rookie eligibility and now is mashing the ball. Like, yeah, I want to know who this is. It's it's Taylor Trammell. The Taylor Trammell. 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 Uh, Mariners, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The other clue I was going to give was that there is a distinct possibility that he keeps this up and still ends up as a fourth outfielder. Right. Because, because th- so by Mariners this time have next year, some outfielders. Yeah. You've got Kalenic, Rodriguez, Lewis, Haniger, and Trammell. Like, that is some outfield talent. And I, some have, I know that there are some people who think that Evan White could get moved to the outfield if his bat doesn't pick up enough for first base. So... <laughs> 
Who knows? But yeah, Trammell, I mean, he's a guy who obviously was a very hyped prospect a while ago, has fallen on. He, he is a post-hype guy for sure. He's He was moved twice last year. He is supposedly going to lack power. And if you look at his numbers, you can see why that would be. And if you look at the scouting reports, you can see why why people think that. He seems to have solved that, at least for the last couple of <laughs> well, weeks. Right? I wonder it's only much, a couple of weeks. I wonder if that 40% K rate has something to do with that too, right? Sure. Right. I mean, that's the question. Is, is, he, is he just swinging out of his shoes? And so when he makes contact, he's crushing the ball. I, I don't know. There's a lot. Like right now, he is a guy, though, that I'd be intrigued at as a buy low. Because if he can bring that K rate, if, if, what, if, if what's happening here is that he's figured something out with the power, or the scouting reports are behind because we didn't see him last year. There's a lot of reasons that this guy could be better than we think. And right now his stats don't really show it, but he seems to have figured out something that was supposed to be his weak point. So if he can bring back the on base by bringing down those strikeouts while maintaining the power, he won't be a fourth outfielder then. <laughs> he, he, will, well, he will keep and, his well, job. Somehow. That sounds like an all-star to me. So that sounds great. And not just the power. I mean, he's walking 14% of the time. That's he's awesome. playing center field and he's playing it well defensively. So, you know, there's some some real on the field value there that, as we've said, like some of that defensive value, he's going to get an opportunity. It's hard to take that off the field. Right. And the, bi- and the big question for him from is sometime very soon, today actually, they, they activated Kyle Lewis, didn't they? I believe they activated yes. Kyle Lewis today. Yes. Sometime very soon, we're going to see Jared Kalenic too. And when that happens, there, you know, Jose Marmalejos is not blocking Trammell from getting more plate appearances. But those two guys in Hanager plus Trammell, you're looking at probably a, like, it'll be a timeshare, I think. You know, you've got Hanager and Lewis have some pretty significant injury history. And so giving them days off to stay healthy is not a bad idea. We don't know yet what, what the prospect's going to do when he gets up as much as he might be the sort of elite offensive prospect in the game right now. And so there's some there's some question marks on playing time. I think he'll maintain playing time. I just don't know. I don't know exactly what to expect from him in terms of how often he plays. But what I'm seeing from the skill set is super intriguing. I do think there's some possibility that some of these guys, maybe Hanniger becomes a DH. Like, the Mariners have not. I'm looking like Luis Torrens is DHing for them right now as we speak. Last night, let's see who was their DH last night. Last night it was Kyle Seeger. He was DHing with Ty France playing at third base. France is hurt now. I don't know how long if he's if that's a real injury or not. But like there, there's a bunch of guys on that team with. France and Dylan Moore and Seeger and all those outfielders who they need to find a way to get all those guys time at a bunch of overlapping positions. And I don't, I just don't know where Tramiel is going to fall into that mix. Right. If the bat's good enough, it'll stay right. Sure. All right. So I'll go with my guy next. I feel like I was a little bit more, this, this guy's a little, we all know this player. This is a little bit less hidden but I was shocked to see how high this person was on the fan graphs and baseball savant leaderboards. Number sixth in the hard percentage, that's from BIS on fan graphs leaderboards. So that's every hit is qualified as soft, medium, and hard contact. Number six on hard percentage in baseball with 
51.4%. Hitting to all fields, so pulling 32 and opposite field 32% of the time, dead center 35% of the time. I love to see that. 28.6% home run per fly ball rate, seven barrels in 56 plate appearances. So that's, again, qualified number of plate appearances. The seventh average exit velocity. I know exit velocity is up and down in terms of where we're with it right now, but still directionally seventh is better than not seventh. And this is a $1 player that is rostered in only 26.9% of leagues. It's not rostered in league one. That's about to change. And as Justin pointed out to me, when Justin, I assume, just brilliantly figured this out right away and didn't cheat at all, he is number one on Savant high hit, or sorry, hard hit percentage uh, if you qualify it on batted ball events. So he has enough batted ball events to qualify there. So this isn't like some bench guy. It's not Pablo Sandoval all over again. I was about to guess it was Pablo Sandoval. No, man, it's not Pablo Sandoval. He has been killing the ball, but he's not qualified for any of these things. Got it, because he hasn't played enough. Right. This is a legit starting. It's someone we we definitely know. Definitely know. He's a legit starter. He's hitting the ball hard, yet nobody's got him. What kind of player hits the ball hard for three weeks? And You know, I wrote about, who did I write about last year at Points Above? Justin, do you remember? I wrote about someone in my, like one of my like buy low things. An older player. I'm gonna go look it up. Right. So like there was a guy. Well, well, while you do that, I will just mention that my first guess on this, and it was not right, and I and there were very obvious reasons why it wasn't right, was Adam Duvall, mostly because of hitting the ball hard. But but the hitting to all fields part, that's hitting where to all went, fields. Wait a second, that's not like... Duvall because Duvall's a pole hitter, extreme pole hitter. But I was trying to think of somebody who was. Hitting the all fields rostered. in 2021 is the coolest thing, man. That is just so cool so that, to yeah. me. So I'm looking. I'm looking now. There were there were three three different guys who I think fit this. Who I wrote about last year as XStat buy low guys. Let's hear him. One of them was Paul Goldschmidt, who's obviously way too highly paid and rostered. Like that's not him. Another was Colin Moran, who is probably also too highly rostered. Correct. And, and also, I don't think yeah. I'm not sure he qualifies as as. So the third guy I'm about to guess is my guess, and he is definitely more known than Colin Moran. And that guy is Evan Longoria. Nailed it, Chad. Perfect. Yes. Evan Longoria. Unbelievable start to the season. That yeah, was... He, was kill- he was hitting the ball hard last year early, too. And I didn't see what happened to him late, actually. Yeah, Longor- I mean, it's just one of those things where people are... There's just this built-in skepticism to someone who's been around for as long as him right like you're like how long can you stick around with this and like we had like it's a little bit of a joey Votto thing right we talked about and have talked about but evelyn goria is just i when i decided to do this exercise he just screamed out to me at the top of every single uh way i could have sorted the leaderboard evelyn goria is sixth or seventh and the other names are awesome and evelyn goria has it over 50 plate appearances so it's not like Nothing. It's it's enough baseball to say, like, you know, to Chad, the very first thing you said, starting to think about stabilization on at the very beginning of some of the stuff. And he's just at the top of everything, and it's nuts. And I don't know what is going on, except he's on the West Coast, so I don't really pay attention to Giants games because the Giants, I don't know, it's, it, it's not an odd year in the aughts, so they're not going to win a World Series or whatever. So even year in the odds. So I don't know, like, I just don't watch Giants games right now. So it's totally like a shock to me, but he's having a monster year, you guys. And right now, I don't care who knows in League One. 
His auction started. <laughs> That's it. Chad just got his email. Because I think... I don't know if I'm going to get him, but he deserves to be rostered. So if you look at his rate stats last year, or sorry, his averages last year, his OBP dipped under 300, but he still has that healthy like power OBP power gap between that you that you sort of look for to see like are you actually hitting the ball hard. He had a 4.25 slugging last year on only a 2.97 OBP, so that's like a pretty good delta there. This year, both those numbers are way up. He's slugging. 600 and has a 375 on base percentage so the power has maybe been there the whole time and this is more of a i mean it's more power than he showed last year but it's also like the on base is the real skill that's that's interesting if he can maintain a a 375 on base percentage that's like a incredibly valuable player and yeah 56 plate appearances 15 games he's played he's played baseball i don't think that's i don't think that's every Giants game, but it's the bulk of them, right? So, and where's his eligibility? Just third base these days, yeah. 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 So, Evan Longoria, man, who knew? I, I, you know, he's he's always been a fun hitter when he was on the Rays and everything. I think everyone sort of just wrote him off after that, sort of the last couple years of his Rays career and going to the Giants, not a good hitter's park, and, you know, just sort of a classic kind of team paying for past performance situation. But, I'm looking at his his numbers from last year because it was it was yeah. early in the season last year that I saw his Statcast numbers and was like, wow, this guy's hitting the ball much better than his his surface stats would suggest. And now I'm looking in, and in the second half of last year, his offense didn't get any better overall. Like he was still a a bad hitter by WOBA or WRC plus or everyone to look at. But even in September last year. 92.5 average exit velocity, 107.3 for his max is not great, but isn't bad. 10%, 10.9% barrel rate, 48.4% hard hit rate. Like this isn't new. He was doing this last year and his, his surface numbers didn't support it, like didn't show it last year. Uh, and I wonder if, you know, what I saw last year that made me think, oh, I should be buying high on Longoria sort of never played out because he never really started getting the better results. And maybe that's just happening now. Maybe those results are just finally coming for him now. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, like, like there there are enough homers there. There's enough stuff happening there that there it's it's worth a look at least. And I, like I said, twenty nine point six percent, no, twenty six point nine percent roster rate. So this is this is a useful for everyone kind of thing. The only people that have Evan Longoria are people who are paying real good attention. And props to all of you, but. I expect his price to go up. I think it was a buck ten, and like something like a buck thirty is last ten. I expect that to go up, but I would I would be surprised if someone wanted to spend more more than five bucks on Evan Longoria, you know, because there's not a ton of future value there. Um, yeah, he's he's rostered in four out of my ten leagues for exactly a dollar in each yeah. of those four. Yeah, so. just like a great last end of the end of the bench flyer at the end of an auction draft to back up your third baseman. He seems like a really useful player if you're like, like I know I've got Anthony Rendon in at least one league where I'm just, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I'm sort of waiting to see. Oh yeah, Niv, you've got him in league yeah. one because I traded him to you. Yep. I remember that. Uh, if it makes you feel any so, better, I traded him to you for Kepler who just tested positive for COVID and is now on the COVID IL. No, no, so none, of, both... none of that trade makes anyone feel good. No. Okay, so. Um, but, but Longoria strikes me as an exactly the kind of guy that like 
grab him now, let him let ride this hot streak as long as it's going on. And if he continues it, then when you get Rendon back, you either push Longoria to Util or you trade him. And if it doesn't continue, then you move on and you've filled your gap. And that's pretty awesome. Right. I think my guy, the big difference between my guy and, and versus Whitlock and Trammell is, is there's just not a ton of future value there. He's just a more known commodity and he's 38. Right. So it is, you know, you, this is more of a ride it while you can, but you know, it's, it's April 20th and we're talking about Evan Longoria and that's kind of cool. I don't, I don't think that was necessarily an expectation coming into this season. Nope. Nope. I would, I would say that's a fair statement. So Someone in League One, Niv, started a Danny Duffy auction earlier today. Oh, and I man. Was, it's... Well, as soon as I started looking at the notes for this, I was like, that's who, that's who Niv's going to use. He's totally going to talk about Danny Duffy. <laughs> I, if you look at the transaction history of Danny Duffy, it, it's Danny Duffy and Will Myers are two guys I can't quit. At least Will Myers is still on my team. But Danny Duff, the Danny Duffy, we should do that next time. You have to pick someone you've rostered at least four different seasons, which for Chad uh, and I... Yeah. Yeah, Tom Smith. <laughs> no, 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 how no. did you not, not make everything. us talk about Tom Smith? <laughs> we almost went the whole episode, but you had to bring it up. I don't even know if that's actually true. I may not have rostered him for four separate seasons. You, you wish you had. Well, no, because he was really bad for a couple of those. <laughs> that's true. But honestly, uh, 2000, I added him in 2015. Yeah, there you I, go. You, you've uh, had him long enough. Nope. Oh, no, yeah, 2015, but then again in 2019, 2020, and 2021. So just not in 2016, 17, or 18. The bad years. (laughs) We call those the dark years. The dark years. (laughs) Well, Justin, I I think that was a good segment. That was a good one to spend on us. Yeah, I I, I think we'll do that again, and I think we'll we'll sort of keep this similar format where we have sort of a housekeeping and then like some sort of general auto-new topic in the middle and then maybe some sort of player highlight. I can't promise a newspaper profile every week. No, I, well, it was funny. You tweeted something about it's not every day you're featured. And I'm like, no, not yet. It's not. Not yet. I mean, yeah, not yet. One day. <laughs> Let's dream bigger, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you to everybody who listened, and we will catch you next time. Yeah, bye.